Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all their people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Mitch. And I'm DM Ian. And today we have an episode that is super different, but I'm super excited for it as well. We're going to encourage you to get up and role play and to throw away, not really, don't throw it away, but yeah, throw away your table. Don't use your table for D&D. More on that when we get into the meat. But first, Ian, I believe we have a five-star review. We do. This one, and I love the title, is by Rolincini, which is also a great username. It's called, or it's entitled, It's Like I Got an Inspiration Die Just for Listening. Rolincini states, I am so glad that you all created this podcast. I am new to D&D, and I have enjoyed playing it from the get-go. Listening to your discussions has inspired me to take the time and try to develop a campaign for my friends. You are really good at coming up with ideas, developing ideas, and inspiring ideas. Sometimes I stop listening because your talks send my mind down a whole nother rabbit hole. So thank you. Well, Roland Cini, you are quite welcome. We are glad that you are developing a campaign for your friends and that you're going to give DMing a try. It's awesome. And keep heading down those rabbit holes. Yeah, they're fun. And Ian, can we do this? Let's let's do this on air right now. To all those who are listening, you can tell your DMs, if you are a player in any kind of campaign, that we're going to, as the Dungeon Master's Block, give you an official Dungeon Master's Block inspiration die just for oh, listening. Be, yeah, so for sure. <laughs> hopefully that flies. <laughs> yes. Does that mean that every time they, if they like rewind 30 seconds, they just get more and more and more and more inspiration? I, I would die? say I limit know. one per customer, you know, per listen. Up to the DM, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? Carby map! Fist a mouthful! No! Looks like meat back on the menu, boys! Well, welcome back to another segment of The Meat. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, Cody Bushy, actor, member of Bearded Men LA, and he also plays Greg in Experience Points, a web series on YouTube. Cody, welcome to the show. So, Cody, one thing we like to do with all of our guests is sort of do a, a, a short interview to get to know you as a guest, and, and we do this with all of them. So the first question we like to ask is just to tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure thing. So, yeah, uh, my name's Cody Bushy, as as you all said. I like, you know, long walks on the beach, beautiful you sunsets. You have no idea how many uh, times people have said that. <laughs> <laughs> that really, that is, yeah, it, it is a thing. Yeah, it's it's a softball pitch, man. I felt the softball pitch. In my hand, <laughs> and it, no, I well, yeah. So I, gosh, I started playing Dungeons and Dragons in college, and it's it's something that is not, or well, it wasn't like I didn't think would become a big part of my life. How it has become a huge part of my life is kind of crazy because it takes up most of my life now. With you know the bearded man LA thing, it's our improv group, and we we have that show. Yeah, it really it takes up a lot of our time. <laughs> it's great. And uh, what else do I love though? I really you know one thing 
that I love that is kind of weird. It doesn't really mash up with like the other stuff that I like because I'm mostly a nerdy guy, but I also really like pro football. I really get into to pro football and uh, the Minnesota Vikings specifically because that is that is where I I kind of come from. That's you know not exactly. I kind of come from North Dakota. There's no pro teams in North Dakota, so you have to kind of <laughs> adopt some kind of pro team from some other place nearby. Um, so most people pick Minnesota just because that's the closest one. So yeah, that's kind of a weird thing about me. Uh, you know, a guy who loves D&D, who plays a lot of video games, who does a lot of theater, a lot of art, also <laughs> also watches the Minnesota Vikings and is a little too obsessed with them. Let's see. Also, I'm married to a, a beautiful woman named Claudia. Let's see. We were married last April. And things are still going great. We're still happy, if you can believe it. Fantastic. I'm, I'm a happy marriage. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got a little dog. She's kind of like our child. And I don't want to <laughs> offend anyone out there who really has a kid, but we definitely, man, we treat our dog like she is our little little girl, little child. Other than that... Man, you guys learned a lot about me. We did. Now. I think that's 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 pretty much it. <laughs> um, do you guys have any like? I kind of just kept riffing. Do you guys have any questions following <laughs> up my crazy life story that I just gave you? What's your dog's name? Oh, my dog's name is is Mocha. And what? And more importantly, yeah. what's your wife's name? <laughs> uh, Claudia. There you yeah. go. Yeah, Claudia. Claudia. Is her name. Yeah. Nice. She is she is from Europe, which is very cool. I love to share that with people. Uh, very cultured, very yes. world traveled. I love to show her off in that way. Fantastic. Yeah. So Plus it's not just boring Claudia, it's Claudia. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right, exactly. It's a little more exotic. It's, um, <laughs> it's got that European flair. Um, I think you yeah. I think you gotta switch your name to Boucher, man. <laughs> I, and that's yeah. like I said, she kinda turned me on to the French pronunciation. There you go. Uh, of that. Yeah. And so I do and I'm such a people pleaser, I kinda I think I might I might change over to <laughs> Maybe it's a better stage name anyway. If only you had a you if think? only you had a brother named Bobby, that would be amazing. That's Bobby true. Boucher, yeah. yep. I definitely <laughs> tell you what, I've heard that one plenty of times. I'm sure you have. Uh, anyway, Cody, so you mentioned a little bit about Bearded Men LA, that it's an improv group, and you did mention uh, the shows that you guys put on. But in case any of our listeners hasn't come across, they might, I mean, maybe they have come across it, but they didn't know that it was Bearded Men LA that does it. Do you want to tell us a little bit why? Why you're on the show today? What is it that Bearded Men LA does as an improv group with Dungeons and Dragons? Right. Yeah. So Bearded Men LA, like I said before, it's that thing. It's a huge part of my life. It is my improv group. We kind of, we try to, we just, you know, the Bearded Men, I like, we have, <laughs> so it's comp- it's so weird. We have two different branches, Bearded Men LA, and then there's Bearded Men Minneapolis, um, because it's kind of a weird story, but we started in college together in Moorhead, Minnesota, this kind of small town that has this liberal arts school that we all, you know, all these, you know, kids from around these smaller communities all kind of go to this one school usually. And that school for us was Moorhead, Minnesota. So that's where the group started. And we were just the bearded men. And yeah, since it kind of, it developed into what it is today, I don't need to get into all the specifics of how it became two groups, but yeah, so we have two different branches. We formed this show through this group called, we kind of call it now Dungeons and Dragons, the Improvised Campaign. It's, it's this improvised show where we get a suggestion from the audience in the beginning. And those suggestions cater towards, you know, how the show is made, basically made up on the spot. And the show is kind of veiled over with a genre of Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy. There's also a cool element in there where 
uh, we have a dungeon master, a person on the side who basically narrates and, and kind of scene paints and, and sets, a, sets the setting, you know, for the world that the improvisers are about to play in. Uh, while also we have two player characters, to, well, one to two, sometimes it's just one, depending on how many improvisers we have, and they'll play just the one character, right? They'll have the, they'll be the hero of the episode, and they get to make actual checks, you know, like things like athletic checks, stealth checks, diplomacy or charisma, uh, whatever your lingo may be. And, and the dungeon master then has their dice on the side and they roll to determine if, if the player character, you know, succeeds or fails. And thus, that's where the improv, you know, gets really, really fun, especially for the audience, because then they start to, you know, really kind of get invested into that dice roll. And it weirdly, it's funny how I brought up sports earlier, it kind of can become a sporting event in like in the audience. You get people just cheering for those high rolls, you know. Did I answer your question? Yes, no, that's that's fantastic. And that's what yeah. we're going to kind of talk about a little bit today and encourage our listeners to give this a try, whether it's it not in front of an audience, just kind of doing it themselves, or if they're super brave, maybe trying it in front of an audience. But But before we do that, I know that, Ian, you've got a surprise question for Cody. I do, but I also have a follow-up question. I think it's important for us to know because our listeners can't see you. Cody, do you, do you have a beard? And does everybody in, in the Bearded Men cast have one as well? Or is that just... Is it a requirement? Yeah, this is, uh, is it a requirement a for entry? Yeah. If you shave, you get kicked we out. Do, we, we get this question so many times, you guys. And so the, the answer to that is, yes, I do have a beard. Is there a requirement for a beard? Absolutely not. There is no requirement to have a beard. We, we, we see them as as metaphorical and spiritual beards. <laughs> I like beards it. Of, spiritual beards, beard, yeah. Beards, yeah, beards of hearts. It's you your Patronus say. is uh, a that, beard. That, <laughs> yes, yes, that everyone has inside of them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's funny, the name kind of came from when we first started in college, like I said, we would all just, I don't know, we were young improvisers, we didn't really know what we were doing, to be honest. And we would come out with these big fake beards, and there would be this, you know, some weird music playing, we would just come out and dance and kind of be weird and goofy. And it was just like the beginning of our show, you know, but we'd all have these big fake Santa beards on. And um, <laughs> then people would get a little kick out of that. It was like this little bit. And then we would just take them off and then just do improv. And so I think that's kind of how like the name kind of stuck with us is because we would always do that bit in the beginning. But then nice. We, you okay. know, we dropped that. <laughs> we dropped that after like, I don't know, three or four months. And uh, here we are like 10 years <laughs> later and we're still, still called that. All right, so time for the surprise round. We like to drop in a question that you're not necessarily anticipating. And when we send our guests the outline, it just says surprise question, which is ominous sometimes. So here, Cody, is your surprise question. This comes from DM Pax, one of our Patreon Dragon members, and he asks, you take one Pokemon and drop it into the world of D&D. Which do you choose and why? Okay, I think I, I, think I know my answer. Let's hear it. Um, uh, I don't want to get the name wrong, though. <laughs> well, maybe we can help you well, out. That's the, beauty, that's the beauty of editing, yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Zapdos? Is that oh, yeah. Name? Zapdos. Zapdos, yep. yes. Yeah. Zapdos would be pretty rad, I think. Go on Gen I, well, 1. I, I like just, it. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with Gen 1. I'm not super familiar with the other Gens, to be honest. But And also, I mean, it's an electric bird that can fly. Yeah. I mean, that would be pretty... Pretty unstoppable, and it's a legendary creature, super powerful. I mean, if it was like my Pokemon and it really, you know, <laughs> really loved me, I think, yeah, I would want a Zapdos. 
fantastic. Um, also, I mean, it's a good choice. I, if you really want to get old school, Pikachu would be dope, just because. <laughs> you I, like I the electric, electric types, huh? I like. I, I was gonna say, yeah, just that they're, and they're both yellow too. You want a yellow Pokemon in your D and D game that can shoot lightning at your foes? That's fantastic. At my foes, yeah, yeah. I love electricity too. God, I played a wizard <laughs> who was pretty electric, like he had a lot of like, <laughs> lightning-based powers. Um, man, I should really talk to my therapist about that. Man, I find that yeah, very shocking. There, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> so let's get into what we came here to talk about today. You kind of already talked a little bit about what Bearded Men LA does um, as a group, how you guys play Dungeons & Dragons. Today, what we want to do is we want to encourage our listeners to maybe give this in a way a try, to get up and roleplay, to put the table in the other room, put it away, however it is, go into the other room where there is no table, and try role-playing away from the table where the players get to stand up, they get to fully act out what their characters are doing. I would love to just get started by um, maybe maybe hearing a little bit more from you, Cody, about what goes into this and how could our listeners out there try this out at home. You're not sitting at a table. You're fully getting invested in it. You're Almost that. Yeah, you're yeah. on your feet. So... Maybe I, I'll start it off with this question. So in this sense, Cody, when you guys perform, you guys do it. You're not sitting at a table performing in front of people. You are up on your feet. You are getting fully into it, using your entire body. If you have seen, if you haven't seen it, go and watch it. The YouTube video is where Beard Men LA uh, act this out. When they make attacks, like they act out making attacks against their enemies. It is fantastic. Do you think that this helps players get into their characters do you think that this helps them improve their improv skill getting up and moving away from the table I, I absolutely do i think the beauty of of what i don't i don't want to get too like worshipy over my own show <laughs> braggadocious but i think the beauty of what makes our show so watchable even though we're miming everything like we don't really have swords we're not really punching each other but we are so believing that we are doing it and that's why it's what, and I think that kind of feeds into, into like the getting up on your feet aspect of it, right? The fact that we're we're up there and we're we're really believing that we have, like these swords in our hands and this this bow and the staff, and that we really can cast fire out of our fingertips. And the things that, you know, like Tom, the dungeon master, will say to us. We see a a, uh, a leaky cauldron with a uh, green bubbles popping out of it. Like we really see that stuff happening, and the more that we we believe that environment is there, the more I think our role playing kind of comes out of it. I think you have to just just imagine, just imagine it. You know, especially when you're standing on your feet and you have you have someone else there with you doing it. It's really it's amazing how you can you can just really start believing that you're there. So you mentioned a little bit about the fact that you, you still use dice rolls. This is, when you guys do it, it is an improv show. How do the dice rolls, do they change the way that you use them? Are the players carrying around dice with them to roll on the floor all the time? Like, what is, what is the way that dice rolls play into these games? Right, so basically the, the dungeon master on, the, on the, the side or the back they will be the only ones with dice, and they will be the only ones who, who roll it. So if I'm playing my character, Draken, and I'm making an attack, say I'm swinging a sword at, at some goblin, 
who's who's who I'm fighting for some reason. Because all you fight all goblins, that's why. <laughs> He'll when I when I initiate that attack, I'll do some kind of verbal like a, you know, like that, kind of like a Legend of Zelda kind Fantastic. of. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> and then you'll. I was just about to say. Yeah. You kind of freeze and hold, and everyone kind of knows that's the cue. Like Tom, Tom, or whoever the DM is, is about to roll the dice to determine if Draken hits or misses. So, and usually we're pretty fluid with it now, and it's really kind of become like a dance. So then, when I'm whole after I freeze for that split second, he rolls, and I'll say, I'll say, 15 Draken, you you slice the goblin's arm off, and then we basically he doesn't necessarily say that stuff, but sometimes he'll flavor it up or whatever. Once he says that number, that's that's the cue for the players to to play out that dance. Yeah, if you know what I mean. I love that because that gives me the sense of like, if I was a player or or even the DM, like watching the players, to me it would be like that slowed down, like three hundred esque like moves going on in front of me, or yeah. literally playing it out, yeah. and it adds drama to every attack. And that's and Mitch, I think you nailed it. That is exactly how like i envision it whenever i'm doing it it's really that 300 style slow-mo epic brawl every time and how can you not when you feel that when you're doing it when you hear the dice roll when everyone's freezing at the same time and, and you know flowing through with the the, the motion after the, the numbers said how can you not i don't know how can you not <laughs> exactly I, I just like i just feel like like when you're up on your feet and you're doing that like that is it just comes out and a, your character comes and out. a crit one or a crit 20 must be even more so like you feel this need to really really ham it up <laughs> yeah well and that's the on our what we try to do on our show and you know sometimes a little insider sometimes we don't do this and it's and it's on accident <laughs> we try to whenever we do have a natural one or or a natural 20 to to really emphasize how uh, you know uh, how much of an abysmal failure that is or how much of a critical critical success that is so especially on like if it's an attack and it's a 20 we're going to make like three other improvisers are going to come out from the wings and scene paint you know the crap out of whatever that person is trying to do making it like as as uh, epic as possible so say it was me swinging that sword at that goblin you know, some like it's a natural uh, Draken hits with a natural 20. Other improvisers would come out and be like, we see a bead of sweat drip off the tip of his nose. But, you know, his hands grip around <laughs> the hilt, uh, tightens or whatever. It thrusts through the goblins, you know, and I, you know, I could keep going or whatever. But yeah, we try to make it like as epic as possible. And so again, when you're when you're playing Draken or, you know, I, you know, I only play Draken. I'm sorry, you guys can't do that. But uh, if someone's playing their character and that's happening, I mean, you, I, you're going to have some awesome one-liner after that happens. Like, you just, I know, I know in my being that the bearded, the you know, the, the spiritual beard inside of you will, will make you say a character, you know, a line from your character. You will role-play your character. It's awesome. Well, the other thing that I, I really enjoy about improv in general, and I think what could really help bring some flavor to the D&D setting, especially if you're used to being around a table all the time, is that when I was younger, I used to do a lot of acting, whether that was in plays or musicals or, you know, those sorts of things. And what helped distinguish every character in my mind for me, because after you do it so many times, like the characters start to bleed together. Like, I can't remember sometimes, like, the lines from one musical or play to another, and I get them all oh, yeah. jumbled up. But the second that I step into whatever character, like, one of my favorites is Templeton from Charlotte's Web. 
and I played him as a New York City rat. And and there are certain mannerisms and certain gestures and certain ways of carrying oneself that sort of help you get back into that role. And and that's what we love about great actors is that they have, you know, from movie to movie, from character to character, all of these ways of speaking, all of the mannerisms are all different. And what helps me connect the most with a character are those physical mannerisms because it gets me outside of myself. And so I think mm. what happens when we step away from the table like this or, or attempt to step away from the table like this is going to be uncomfortable the first couple of times because it's not what you're used to doing. But once you figure out, wow, this person's mannerisms are really different than mine. How would, how would for example, I'm sure you have this, how would Draken react to, to this physically? You know, I might be terrified of a beholder, but is Draken? And if Draken is, how would Draken react in terms of his fear to a beholder or not, or, you know, whatever else would happen? But, you know, and then he speaks differently than you do. He's probably got a different cadence in terms of his pacing and his word selection than you do, as well as those physical, like I said, those physical mannerisms are all going to be different. Well, I tell you what, Ian, I definitely try to make them different. I hope they are. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I think, yeah, that's that's exactly right. You you really, and the more that I've played Draken, the more I've learned about him. You know what I mean? And I think, I think we all experience that as players mm-hmm. when we're playing characters on the table, too. That, you, you know, you have, you can, you can create any kind of awesome, epic backstory to your character, but you, you might not really find out who they are until you actually, you know, sit down and play them. Or, like we're talking about today, get up and play them. Which, yeah, and I think, like, we even did, you know, when we first started the the D and D show out here in LA, uh, we did um, we did a couple of one shots with our dungeon master as our characters just to get a feel for them, and you know we found some stuff out, but it was it was nothing like like what we found out since since we've actually been playing them like on on their feet. Mm-hmm. Now I do I do have a question for you. How is it as a, as playing a character? How is it to not have the dice? in your hands because you know you mentioned that the the dm for the night whoever that happens to be is the one that's rolling the dice and i know like as a player i like to roll my dice i like to do all my checks and things like that and as a dm of course i've got i've got the dice in my hands most of the time how is it to not be responsible for your own rolls and did that take some getting used to um yeah it's a it's a little it's a little weird i think you know actually in our setting, it's it's not it's not super weird because it comes from such a such an improv place from the start mm-hmm. that it, it would be it would be more weird to be rolling dice as an improviser. You know what I mean? To be yeah, because because we're as much as the DM is there, we we more so want people to be looking at you know what's going on on stage. I don't want to say that we don't want people to look at the DM. That's not that's not necessarily the case because the DM is very important. But it would it. Yeah, it's more about like I guess the scene picture, and we try to make it as cinematic as possible, obviously. But yeah, like I think it the the weirdest you know what's you guys have seen the show how we like you know we put our hand on our head and that's that's how we kind of mm-hmm. roll the dice I guess like that's what we've translated it to instead of like actually taking dice out of our pocket and rolling it on the ground it's like we put our hand on our head and that's that's when so when I'm playing Draken if I have my hand on my head that that means that I'm Cody I'm not Draken anymore. Huh. I'm Cody. I'm Cody, the person talking to Tom, the dungeon master, and that's when everyone freezes and everyone's like, "Oh, wait, the story's got to stop," because Cody, the player, has a question to ask the DM. 
or it's me wanting wanting to make that check, me wanting to do that athletics check to jump across this bridge or to, you know, to sneak past this guard for a sneak uh, stealth check or whatever. I think it's interesting because it like that's the way that D and D originally was played, where the DM would roll everything. Um, you can you can see that you know some people still play that way. Uh, they play that way in the episodes of Community where Abed is running it. He he's the one who rolls, and I think it's it's interesting because I think a lot of players who aren't used to that would be like Ian was like saying hesitant to get get into that. But I imagine that once you give it a try, once you test it out in this type of gameplay it's even better because when we talk about like you're making that attack and you're slowing down everything and pressing pause and play it almost builds the suspense even more and as a player you're not so much concerned i would imagine about i'm not physically rolling the dice but you're just waiting in anticipation with every roll to hear the outcome of what it is yeah i think yeah the suspense is just shifted in a different way but i think i agree it's it's more suspenseful and there's more power in the dm's the dm's hands you know power in a good way i think power for for the story you know because you can really you can really put that that suspense out there like well i'm sure that puts the focus more on the narrative than it does on the rules because i know like at a normal table there might be some crosstalk discussion about the rules or you know, there's a lot of downtime between X, Y, or Z, and you know, we we here at the the Dungeon Masters block really hammer on the fact that narrative is the most important part of any D and D story. And I feel like getting up and improving and role playing uh, away from the table could really help reinforce that idea that narrative is key. And with the DM being more, having more of the responsibility for keeping the narrative flowing especially as part of improv is, is a super cool idea for me to kind of wrap my head around because then it really is more about the collaborative storytelling because you're not so focused on the dice. You're not so focused on the rules. You're not so focused on, you know, whatever else is going on at the table. And I'm sure it gets people away from their phones and away from their electronics and all that kind of stuff as well, because you're too busy using your body to, to act to improv and, and those sorts of things. I agree. I think, I don't know about you guys, but my favorite moments when I play Dungeons and Dragons or when we do our show, it's it's usually not the combat. Hmm. Agreed. The combat is fun. <laughs> I, I you know I do like combat. It can be thrilling. Um, but I really the moments that I remember the most and the moments that I I don't know I cherish the most really are the ones that were involved with either narrative huge narrative hits or huge narrative plot points. Or they were, you know, some epic role-playing, us in character, you know, role-playing something out, role-playing out a scene. Those, those are my favorite moments of Dungeons & Dragons. And that's honestly, those are the moments that keep me coming back. Oh, absolutely. Um, there, we it's, recently... It's never, never the combat. We recently had a night that just we were playing and it went totally in a direction I never expected. And the night ended with us having to run a full, full-blown court trial for half of the party who were being accused of murder and resisting arrest and all this stuff. And it was obstruction of so justice. much yeah. fun. <laughs> and, and in fact, I did as the DM get up and start walking around acting like this sleazy lawyer who was defending them. 
but it was this thing that there was no combat. It was just everybody was making these huge arguments and getting really deep into their character. And those are the moments that I live for in D and D. Yes. Well, and then, you know, like when you start referring to moments or people doing things by the character name rather than the player name, Mm -hmm. those are the moments for me that stick out the most. You know, it's not Ian did X, Y, or Z. It's Aromas did X, Y, or Z, you know, or things of that nature where it's the character who did the thing, not the player who did the thing, even though the player obviously controls the character and, you know, you got to you divorce that from your from your thought pattern. But it's the, the two characters had a great interaction between one another or they didn't. And those can obviously be uh, good foils as well. You know, you've got inner party conflict or what have you. But it's it's when you start referring to moments or deeds or things, not as Ian's character, but as the character's name itself. Speaking of characters, I have another question uh, for you, Cody, regarding kind of the setup for this type of gameplay. Character sheets. I'm assuming that if there's much of a character sheet at all, that it's it's a little bit smaller and that the DM has the character sheets. That is correct, Rich. Um, it, it, it's smaller. It's it's like less. Uh, there's not as much, you know, heavy stats in there as far as like a typical, you know, Dungeon and Dragons uh, character sheet goes. Each character will have a certain amount of hit points. Each character will have um, two two skills that they can have advantage in, and two skills that they will have disadvantage in. And they also have some weapons, right, and armor. And no, the gold never matters. We always have plenty of gold. Because um, <laughs> well, it's, it's never fun if a hero is poor. They're always rich. That's just what we say. Uh, you guys can DM whatever you all like. But yeah, so that's it's pretty minimal. Um, and so, but the thing is, we do keep track of hit points, and we have had a character or two on our show sadly touch the other side. But it leads to some pretty, pretty interesting narrative stuff. You know what I mean? And it adds stakes to it all. I'm sure that becomes a huge role-playing opportunity as well. Um, Kind of another question with the setup of how this is done. You mentioned it very briefly, but I think it's something that is important to note uh, is you mentioned when you do this kind of thing, you have one to two PCs. But that doesn't mean that you only have one to two people like acting and improving. The, The shows that I've seen you guys do, it's you have other people engaging, not as the DM, they are the enemies, they are the the other NPCs, they are the people that the DM gets to allow them to take some agency, but also like speak into their actions. And so you're, you're having these other people being able to engage in a different way. Yeah. And that's, I think that's why our show works so well, again, not to brag. Uh, but why it works so well uh, is because we have this NPC element. We have these three to four other improvisers who have almost just as much power as the dungeon master, besides the fact they just can't roll dice, basically. But the NPCs can do pretty much everything else the dungeon master can do. And so we have, it, that adds power to it because we have, you know, more brains helping lifting up this heavy ship that we're trying to carry, you know. That is... That's how I think, like I said, how it just runs so smoothly. Because, you know, we are all making this up on the spot, right? Typically, with, with a D&D session, 
uh, a dungeon master will get to prepare for what, like nine hours if they're going to do like a three hour session, something like that. Um, well, that's what we'd hope, right? <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. You'd hope so. Maybe, maybe it's not as much time, but like, you know, we don't, since it's improv and that's kind of the art form that we're doing, we don't really do any prep, right? There's no, there's no prep with any of this. We just kind of get suggestions and we just roll with it. And obviously that's why some stuff gets really goofy and it gets a little absurd, but you know, we try to make it, we try to honor it with some kind of integrity, you know, but yeah, it, that's kind of what we call them, I guess, is we call them the, uh, the NPCs. So they're just yeah. the non-player characters and they have liberty to, to play, you know, the mayor, the guard, the, you know, any ancillary character they want, or they could be, you know, the master of the thieves guild and they could be this huge, huge character that, that ends up being in multiple episodes of, of Draken's, Draken's arc, you know? And that has happened. We've had NPCs become kind of kind of big characters that that show up again and again in in you know Draken's arc or whoever whoever's the PC that night. One thing that you talked about before is that the audience, when you guys perform, uh, give you guys ideas of what like I'm sure it's something along the lines of like he opens a treasure chest and what is it that he finds, and you get like a a advice from the audience or what is this character's trait that is most apparent about him and the audience gives those ideas to you is that kind of along the lines of what it is yeah so like we have so on the on geek and sundry there's the the chat for people who aren't familiar with there's a chat that that kind of rolls along that it's the chat feed of people who are basically watching and they just kind of they input they can say whatever they want to say but we also have the opportunity through the chat to ask the audience wherever they are in the world, uh, whatever question we want. <laughs> so it's awesome. Uh, so basically, Tom will get, he'll get three suggestions at the top. Sometimes they pertain to the, to the player characters specifically. Most of the time, they're pretty random, though. Just because, you know, when you, we've, we've done it a lot now, so we kind of we try to like stretch ourselves in ways that we haven't been stretched. So getting really random suggestions is a way for us to I don't know, just come up with really unique stuff, but still give us a challenge to try to tie it into the, the hero's story. But sometimes it is stuff like, you know, like if it's if it's around Valentine's Day, like if you could go anywhere, take any, you know, your, your date anywhere in the world, where would you go? Or maybe it's like Angalia-based. Sorry, Angalia is the world that we play in, in our, our D&D show. But d- yeah, you guys know what I mean when I, when I say that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So with um, most people who are listening right now, um, I'm hoping that they're building an excitement and they want to give this a try and they're kind of in their minds going, okay, this is how I would do this. This is how I would do this. This is how we as a group would do this. I, I imagine for most people, some of them may be lucky enough that they can go, hey, let's get together a group. We'll have a eight people in the audience. We, we know people who would love to sit and just watch this act out. And But there might be some people out there who are like, we either don't want to perform in front of an audience because maybe myself or the players might not want to jump into that right away or if at all, but this is something that I do want to give a try. And my mind just goes to this allows for even more player agency. You know, you have people playing the NPCs and the enemies. Why not as the DM? just ask the players f- instead of an audience for these type of ideas. What is it that this this mission that we're going on, what is like you can just ask the players and give those players even more agency into the story that you're telling. I, uh, yeah, and that's a I th- I think you're right. And I think that's a great way like 
if you're if you're someone out there who doesn't necessarily want to do this in front of people, I can I can see how that is like maybe a scary thing. I mean, it's definitely a scary thing. I I still get scared every time, but in a good way. In a good scared in a good way. I think this is there's so much benefit to doing something like this. If you're someone who wants to play D and D, just because you you find out more about your character just by doing this. Like you, you you're you're destined to make strong choices about the character you're playing when you get up on your feet and and like role play it out like this. Well, I think it, a lot of what we do is theater of the mind. You know, even yeah. if you've got minis and you've got battle boards and things like that it's still a lot uh, uh, well a lot of what goes on is still in your imagination and it's still mm-hmm. theater of the mind but when you get your body involved when you get up and moving it's it's sort of like going from reading you know doing read throughs of a script to then actually staging it and and doing it without the script and you know the how that solidifies it in your mind and and all of those sorts of things the same types of uh, mental and cognitive things that happen when you when you move from script to actually acting it out are the same sorts of things that happen. I would assume when you go from you know sitting at the table making rolls with a character sheet in front of you and the battle board to then actually acting those things out because you know your your understanding of of space, your understanding of where everything is in relation to everything else, even your body motions. You know you're describing. We do a lot of, uh, well, how did you, how did this creature die? How did you kill this creature? Like, what was the manner in which it died? And, you know, we, we end up like describing it, but then to actually act it out, I think yeah. adds a whole nother element to it. And we mentioned earlier, like 300 sort of mentality, you know, I'm, I'm thrusting my spear out toward this thing. Do I hit it? Does it block? Does it, you know, and then you have to mm-hmm. act those things out. And I think that that, like you said, helps you make strong choices, especially if you're standing face to face with an NPC who mm-hmm. then is throwing stuff back at you in mm-hmm. space, in, you know, in in real time, in real physical proximity and emotion. I think that that has some pretty powerful potential to be to take your role playing even further is to actually have mm-hmm. that that physical interaction with your character with other characters. And also, it, it, it's so much fun. It is so much fun to do it because it's that dance aspect of it. You know, when you hear that number and it's like an eight, right? Like it's a miss. You're going to, you're, you failed. This attack's not going to succeed. So now you have the spear, right? And you're about to thrust it into, you know, this NPC and you miss it. How is this dance going to play out? And you're not, you know, you don't have to verbally describe it. There's no pressure there, but you know, you have to miss. And it's just, I don't know. It's so much fun to do it. Yeah. It's fun to play it out. And it's, yeah. So Cody, kind of wrapping wrapping this up, most of our listeners out there are DMs. So uh, if this is something that they would like to give a try, beyond what we've discussed before, is there any other pieces of advice that you could give to them to help them prepare or things that maybe work really well when running this type of a game? Hmm. I would say yes. I think to get it to, to start people off, to get people kind of started and get people into it, start them off with combat. Go check out our show. You can you can subscribe to, to the Geek and Sundry channel on Twitch and you can see all the rebroadcasts. There's there's like there's like I don't know, 20, 20 or 30 of them. And so you can get a, an example of what our combat's like. Check that out and kind of just 
take that and introduce them to it that way. Just be like, hey guys, play your characters, but let's do some combat. And let's just have fun with it. Let's just see what happens. Let's get this dance. Obviously be safe, you know what I mean? Um, make it really slow. Make sure people aren't really, you know, really hitting each other. Uh, <laughs> Give them a nerf sword, not a real sword. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Because I think that's a great way to get people into the idea of getting up on their feet and role-playing out their character, just to start with combat. Because it's fun and it's make-believe and it brings us back to our childhood. That's great because um, it's funny. You said that, you know, when you, you do this, it's combat that is the parts that you fall in love with. But yeah, I think for me, if I was going to try this out, I would love to pick a night where I knew in our the campaign we're doing, we were going to have a big battle sequence and and do this instead of just sitting around a table with a battle map because I feel like it in, it emphasizes everything. And I also think one of the things that it does is it encourages the DM to not just say, oh, uh, 15. Yeah, that hits. You hit them. You do this much damage. Like it, it encourages them to, with every single attack, make it something memorable. And it, it, it's a great intro to getting people up on their feet and to just open the idea of, okay, what's the next step is to not have combat, just to just act as your character. Just see what would your character say? He's talking to this card, right? But that's like the next step, I would say. If there are listeners out there who are going to engage in this in a playing um, aspect or for the DMs encouraging their players, is there any advice or just something that you'd like to say to them to encourage them to do this? Um, I would say don't worry about what other people are going to think. If you're worried about what other people think, like if you're worried about the choices you're going to make, don't just don't worry about that because... If they are people who are, are seriously going to judge you for that, they're not people that you need to necessarily be around. And they're going to leave anyway, and you're going to have people who are wanting to be around you. So just just have fun with it. Just know that there aren't any wrong choices. Also, every choice you, you want to make about your character is the right choice. Don't You don't need to second-guess yourself. Just go with it. It's a lot of fun. The The, the right people will gravitate towards you and and support you in in those choices if that's what you really want to do if some of our listeners wanted to get a hold of you and maybe discuss this with you a little bit more or wanted to find more of your work where could they go to get in contact with you or bearded men la absolutely yeah so you can find basically my social media handle is my name so uh you can you can at cody bushy at pretty much any social media platform and you're gonna find me yeah that's twitter instagram Facebook. Also, for the group, our group is at Bearded Men LA. That is that is also pretty much across the board for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah, and you can also, like I said before, you can you can see our show. Uh, you don't need to be a subscriber to watch it live. It's at two fifteen on Wednesdays Pacific Standard Time. If anyone has any questions, seriously, yeah, reach out to me. Follow me on Twitter. Hit me up. I will. I'll definitely. You know, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And if you, as I say in my voicemail, <laughs> and if you end up doing this, listeners, please film the whole thing, film a section of it, and let us and Cody see some of it. I'm sure that we would all love to see you guys giving this a try. Yeah, y- y'all have no idea how happy it would make me to see people try. Like people, I don't know. That would just it would it would warm my heart so much to see people emulate what we do. I would love that.
please do it. Cody, thank you so much for joining us on the Dungeon Masters block to talk about this interesting, awesome way of playing D&D. We hope to have you back again sometime in the future. Thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, Mitch, Ian, it's been a pleasure as a member of Bearded Men. Uh, yeah, we thank you guys for, for having me and letting me just have this voice to, to share to share my art and share share what I love with you guys. So thank you guys so much. That was a great discussion with Cody Bushy. We hope you guys really enjoyed that. I know Mitch and I had a great time talking to him and getting advice from him, and we hope to hear from him in the future. Yeah, I can't wait to try this out, man. Oh, yeah, for sure, because I definitely want to get more into acting. It's kind of a thing that I've left by the wayside over the course of the years, and I think it would be a great way to get back into improv like that. Well, maybe we'll have to do something for our Patreon Dragons at some point, our, our impo- improv DMB show. That'd be that fantastic. Be amazing. Maybe at a catacomb. <laughs> we could totally do that. Record it separately. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So if you guys wanted to get a hold of us to ask us any questions or for any ideas or feedback, you can email us at DungeonMasterBlock. That's DungeonMasterBlock with no S at gmail.com. And as always, we appreciate five-star iTunes reviews. That helps us get some more visibility, and it will also help you possibly get on the air in a future episode. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMs block. And you can like our Facebook page. Both of those places are great places to go if you want updates about the show, memes, and all-around D&D goodness. We have a Patreon member shout-out of the week, and this week's Patreon member shout-out goes to... William Gwaltney! Thank you so much, William Gwaltney, for your support. We super appreciate it. William Gwaltney is a bronze dragon, so we hope that you enjoy all of those bonus podcasts that we're putting out for you. The new story times from the campaign, The Call of a Spirit Charmer. We hope that you're enjoying that, William. Thank you for your support. Mm -hmm. This show is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network. If you want to hear other shows like this, you can check out The GM Showcase, Geek Wars, We're So Bad at Adventuring, and more. Well, that's all we have for you on this week's episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, where we talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of all other people at the table. This is DM Ian saying, we'll see you next week. Keep on Dungeon Mastering.
Goodbye.